What is up, shakers? Welcome to Worth Your Salt, the podcast that helps you shake up your marketing game in the health and wellness industry. We are your hosts. I'm Chrissy Oliverson. And I'm Jennifer Oroqua. And together we have over 40 years of experience in marketing. So pull up a chair and let's dive in. We are super excited. And today we're going to be talking all about demand generation. So Jen, I am super excited to hear more about your thoughts on this topic and to share some personal experiences that we both have with just gradually shifting our mindset away from the classical model of generating leads to generating demand. Yeah, for sure. And so if you haven't heard, the big shift right now in wellness marketing is away from lead gen, really leaning into demand generation. So first, how do we define demand generation and why should we concern ourselves with this shift? But more importantly, especially here on Worth Your Salt, where we talk about ROI, how do we measure success? So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about why your organization might want to pivot from lead generation to demand generation and the bumps along the way that you're likely to encounter. We're so glad you're joining us. Okay, so before we dive in to the particulars of demand gen versus lead gen, I think we should take a minute to talk about why you might want to pivot from focusing on leads to focusing on demand. It's definitely not an easy shift because leads are something you can quantify, you can actually measure them. And demand is obviously not. So why why should we take this plunge? Whether we're talking about B2B or B2C, they're educating themselves. They've asked questions in communities. They've tapped into their network. They already know what your competitors offer and what you offer. So when someone raises their hand, they're not necessarily ready to buy. In the old lead gen way of thinking, we ask sales to call on someone who might be nowhere near in market yet, which causes frustration for both marketing and sales. But today's buyer doesn't want to be pushed to have a conversation. So by shifting our thinking and giving our target market the space to educate themselves, we as marketers can actually allow the prospect to just move themselves along in market. Yeah, you know, I have struggled with this. <laughs> like, yeah. like you came to me and said, we're going to ungate everything. I'm like, what? <laughs> so how do we demonstrate the value of our marketing to our executive leadership team when we aren't gathering those leads when we aren't counting people that are coming in and following up with them? But today it's about a lot more than just gathering an email address so you can endlessly follow up. Yeah, the shift to ungating content was really the beginning of it all for us back when we started this shift. I remember we would go back and forth about this idea of tracking leads. We don't want to give all of our best ideas away for free, all that versus something that we already knew to be true in the SEO world, which is that all that really matters is that people know that we know our stuff, right? We knew the value in freely displaying our authority and expertise. So we started slowly engaging things, but in a nutshell, we get the hype. <laughs> we get it now. Yeah. So let's dig into this idea of a shift from a scenario where we basically pounce on our prospects to one where we're leaning into the ways in which today's consumers are making buying decisions, particularly around health and wellness. So how can we bring people to us in a more organic way? That's the question. Yes. And organic traffic is music to my ears, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So one of, if not the easiest ways to tap into your target market is with keyword research and then subsequent on-page optimization with that keyword research. 
So by using keywords to find out what people need, you're basically meeting them where they're at in their own buying journey instead of forcing them to act before they're ready. So we're giving people that space to educate themselves before they commit to anything. And what we mean by committing is anything that has to do with putting in your email, making some sort of down payment, signing a contract, anything like that. Yeah. Putting in a credit card. That's always scary. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because I noticed that a lot of folks in this industry are starting to sit up and take notice of what goes on in that dark funnel. So putting energy into the conversations that are happening about and around us that we can't necessarily control or measure. So what comes into play there is clear storytelling and making sure the narrative around your organization is consistent and gets out there into the world. So that gets you into a situation where we can focus on direct demand and declared intent. So rather than chasing our prospects, they're reaching out to us. Okay. Yes. I feel like a lot of our listeners are going to react very similarly to me when I first heard the term dark funnels or dark Mm -hmm. social, Mm -hmm. which is basically that we're breaking the law, right? (laughs) But, (laughs) But really, we're just referring to how basically everyone is already getting their information these days, Mm. which is by surfing around the internet and staying as anonymous as possible. That's what everyone wants to do. Mm. So as a marketer, the ultimate goal is getting people to search for you and Mm. come knocking on your door wanting what you have. Yeah, right, right. Uh, Dark social was a term coined by a writer for The Atlantic like 10 years ago. And today we just look at it as one more way to capture the attention of your target market. All right, Chrissy, you and I need to take a quick sponsorship break right now. But when we return, I want to talk about how lead gen is so 2021. Stay with us. The Worth Your Salt podcast is grateful to our partners and sponsors, including Get You Wired. If you're thinking about optimizing your website for demand generation, talk with the folks at Get You Wired. Get You Wired is a one-stop shop for best-in-class web design, conversion, and automation. From sales funnels to APIs, keep or active campaign optimization, e-commerce, and custom reporting, Get You Wired is your partner for not only superior website design, but seamlessly integrated marketing. Head on over to getyouwired.com for a free one-hour strategy session. They live and breathe small business and are excited about your success. Check them out at www.getyou. That's the letter U, wired.com. Getyouwired.com. You won't be disappointed. All right. We are back here with the Worth Your Salt podcast. And so, Jen, like we said at the top of the podcast, we are really good at lead gen, right? Like get your content out there, gate it all up, and then just watch the leads come rolling in. (laughs) So let's start diving into why this is not the ideal scenario anymore. Yeah, because it felt so good. You know, you pass those leads off to your sales team for follow up. But the problem is, is that this idea, this, this path, this funnel generates a lot of leads, but only a small percentage of those leads were actually people who are in market are ready to buy. You know, they're doing a lot of research, a lot of tire tire kicking. So that can be frustrating and cause a lot of finger pointing between marketing and sales. Like it's your fault. It's your fault. You know, we generate lots of leads, but the prospect isn't ready to take action. And a call from a salesperson isn't going to change where they are in that process. Right. So if I'm playing the devil's advocate a little bit um, and I try to push back. So what about like the concept of lead nurturing, sending out automated emails with additional PDFs, 
videos, all that good sales stuff that moves people down your funnel. Yeah, for sure. And and producing content of value is, is always going to be a good technique. And, and it can still be effective if we're working hard to move someone in market. But we have to look at assumed intent versus direct intent. So if someone hops on your site and say, coughs up an email to download a checklist on how to stock their pantry with healthy snacks, they're, they're showing interest in the topic, but not necessarily are, are they ready to become a member of your gym based on that. So assumed intent conversion rates are pretty much understandably low. Right. So going along with this gym analogy, someone with direct intent would be looking to actually sign up for a session or a class Mm -hmm. or a three month trial. So that would be that would show that they clearly have an interest in what you have to offer at your gym. So that's the ideal prospect we're talking about. Right, right. Somebody who's already in market. And one thing to remember here is that we don't want to neglect that journey that brings them to that direct intent. And by that, we we want to offer that healthy pantry checklist, but we don't care to grab their email address just because they want that. In fact, we want to brand and make sure that that checklist, you know, reflects our story. So when it's shared with others, our reach and our visibility are multiplied. But Chrissy, going back to gated content, do you think gating content is actually detrimental to creating new quality consumers nowadays? What do we stand to lose if we ignore this trend toward demand gen and direct intent? Yeah, I mean, detrimental might be a strong word, but <laughs> at the same time, maybe a little bit, right? So here's how I think about how all companies should be looking at things. Every consumer goes through a buying journey, right? Most consumers these days want to do as much of their learning in private from the comfort of their own homes and without any kind of commitment. Mm -hmm. And not only that, they want to learn everything at a record pace with 30 second video clips that tell them everything they need to know so they can move on with their lives and be done with it, right? So the question is, are you going to hide your expertise and your knowledge behind a paywall of some kind, or are you going to freely offer it for all the consumers to access whenever they're ready, which is how they want it in the first place? And in our experience, if you aren't freely displaying your authority and expertise, you really just don't even have a seat at the table anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, Chrissy, I think we're ready to talk about what health and wellness practitioners need to do. I want to get into how to make this shift. But before we do, it's time for another quick break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Worth Your Salt podcast. And today we're talking about how a shift to demand generation marketing is working in health and wellness. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. So be sure to join us over on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram at Salt Marketing Co. And let us know your thoughts. So we're back. And Chrissy, we have some pretty specific ways to make this shift to creating direct intent in our industry. So let's talk about that. So one of the best ways to do that is literally turn your marketing efforts into a content machine. That's something we love here at Salt. So generate really helpful and useful resources that educate your target market. And obviously, this can be things like articles, videos, a podcast like this one. (laughs) There's so many ways you can reach people these days with your content. Yeah, And we just need to remember that we're not using every one of these pieces of content as a lead gen mechanism. In fact, none of them should be really. Your direct intent lead mechanism should be one thing, one thing only that demonstrates that someone is in market and ready to buy. Mm -hmm. So thinking about that, there are a couple of ways we can structure that demand gen model to get the right content in front of the right people. And the first is create demand in the marketplace. By that, I mean working to get your ideal customer to engage with your content. So working with subject matter experts measured by consumption and engagement, not form fills. Right, right. And the other way is to capture demand in the marketplace. 
And that leads us to my favorite thing in the world, SEO. (laughs) So (laughs) SEO focuses on, I know not very many people can relate to that, but it is my favorite thing in the world. SEO focuses on the keywords that your audience is searching for. So when they do consume your content, you're able to capture their attention by speaking to them in their language and it feels familiar. So you create demand by freely sharing your expertise and then you capture it by catering the content specifically to your ideal target customer. And Mm -hmm. Jen, we've actually had some real world success with this. Yeah, for sure. We had one client go from less than eight incoming direct intent calls a month to over 40 in a month. And that resulted in 537 engaged prospects in a single year with literally dozens of incoming direct intent conversations every single month. Yeah, I love it when it works. That's the ROI we're always looking for. Yeah. So the next step in the process, though, is to invest some resources in getting this helpful and valuable content in front of the right people at the right time. And this can be tricky. It requires a very flexible approach. You know, where are your ideal buyers lurking? You know, in online communities where you might already be, can your organization's subject matter experts help post links to your content in appropriate subreddits? Or even if you're thinking more old school, you know, who is talking to your audience already? Where are they asking questions? Can you be there to answer them? Exactly. Yeah. And one last thing that I want to mention is rethinking paid. So when you're gating, when you aren't gating your content anymore, it shifts the intent of your PPC advertising. So before people might throw up an ad that Uh, offers uh, 50% off of a gym membership. But what if instead of paying Google to advertise for your sale, you pay Google to advertise for your brand. So you use those ads to further boost your expertise and your authority. And you think more in terms of providing thought leadership, great articles, studies, social proof from happy clients and customers. (sighs) If you can nail your demand gen funnel and then throw money behind that, you will be unstoppable. Anyway, what else? Is there anything else we wanna talk about with this shift over to demand gen? Uh, One thing I've seen be really successful is the addition of a sales development representative, an SDR position to the team, someone who can have that initial conversation based on direct intent expressed and then bring that prospect closer to becoming a client. It saves time and money, particularly if your demand gen efforts take off, which they often do. Right. Yeah, that's a really good thought. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for your insight, Jen. That was a really, really good one. This episode was jam-packed with information. I want to thank our audience for joining us for this week's episode of Worth Your Salt. Don't forget that a new episode of Worth Your Salt drops every Thursday. Be sure to get on the list for our newsletter at saltmarketing.co slash worthyoursalt so you don't miss a single episode. Yes, and of course, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at grow at saltmarketing.co. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review or give the show a handful of stars wherever you get your content. And that's all for this episode of Worth Your Salt. Let's get out there and shake things up. Mm